We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the 1991 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of Chicago. I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, no, don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. Welcome to another BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie. Thanks again for joining us today. We love all the support that you guys have been giving us. I know we have been taking a little bit of some time off, and we're going to get into some of our off-season coverage here soon. But with some of the names coming out with the coaches being linked to the Hornets in recent days and candidates for some interviews for that opening at the head coach position, I figured I'd run down a handful of these guys and give my thoughts on them. Some of them I know more about than others. Basically going to rank them for my preference as the new head coach for the Charlotte Hornets. A couple episodes back, Brian and Lee reacted to the firing of James Borrego. After kind of sitting on it for a little bit, you know, I guess I've calm down a little bit in terms of my reaction. I did not think that it was the right move in the moment. And I actually thought that maybe they had somebody in mind and maybe they did and maybe they still do having this extension that they gave out to Borrego recently and then firing him this offseason after some progression that he has made with this team. It just didn't seem like a move that Mitch Kupchak would make. He preaches all the time about how the Hornets were ahead of schedule. And Borrego was brought in as a player development coach. And there's a lot of success stories with some of the players on the roster that were either second round picks or players that were fringe players outside the rotation. And they just made impacts on this team and they grew. And I think Borrego did his job in that aspect, but he couldn't get it done when it came to propelling this team into the playoffs. You know, this is a young roster, developing players. I think personnel has to be addressed as well. But let's go ahead and get into some of the names that have been rumored as candidates for this job. So I'm going to talk about six of them today. I know that there's been more that have been floated out there. Some of these names that I'm going to list today are the ones that have had more direct 
linkage to the Hornets, Mike D'Antoni, Kenny Atkinson, Darvin Ham, Sean Sweeney, David Vanterpool, and Charles Lee. I'll dig into a little bit deeper. Uh, Mark Jackson, I'm not going to mention too much, and Quinn Snyder, just because he's still with the Jazz, technically won't get too much into him. Sean Sweeney and, and Charles Lee, especially, are the ones that I know the least about. That's probably a lot to do with their experience and some of the name recognition. As the days go on, I'm sure I'll do more research into them. But from the surface level, I feel like the Hornets are just doing their due diligence with these two. Don't have high hopes that either of these guys will get the job. Not to say that they are not qualified for a head coaching position soon, but they're young assistant coaches. Sweeney, we'll start with him. Had a relatively like quick rise up the ranks with, with him. He's currently an assistant with the Mavericks, but had spent time with the Pistons for three seasons prior, I believe. He has a connection to Jason Kidd and having coached with him in Milwaukee and Brooklyn, so he was brought on to the staff with Kidd in Dallas. He is the Mavericks defensive coordinator on the staff, and as we've seen this season, Dallas has a very good defense. They do a good job of limiting shots from behind the arc. They're sixth in the league in that category. And even when teams have been attempting shots from there, they've been doing it at an inefficient rate. So they're limiting the shots from behind the arc, and they're also defending it well. We've talked about personnel before and scheme on this podcast when it comes to the Hornets. How much weight can you give to either of those? Where does the blame fall? Probably a little bit of both. But when you look at Dallas's roster and their personnel on the defensive side of the court, like they don't have that like imposing big anchor type of guy that's going to put fear in opposing players. And they do have some guys on that end, like Hardaway Jr., who works tirelessly. You've got Maxley. You've got Dodo, who I believe is a free agent this offseason. Uh, pretty seamless fit for the Hornets roster. But let's not act like the personnel jumps off the page. So I do think that's a point in Sweeney's favor. And again, you got to give credit to, to Jason Kidd as well. But it's a point in Sweeney's favor in terms of getting that team to outperform on that end of the court. I just think that Sweeney may be several years away. And like I mentioned before, I don't really have a lot of confidence that he's going to be the guy that is going to be the Hornets coach when it's all said and done. He's only 37 years old, I believe. So he's got some time to work his way up even more. Let's go to Charles Lee next. Also a young assistant, 37 as well. He's with the Bucks currently. And I believe he was considered for a head coaching position Last offseason in Washington, if I'm not mistaken, he's coached at Bucknell, where he also played. He coached in Atlanta and Milwaukee for the last handful of years. He's younger and having been previously a player, not in the NBA, but overseas, I think the draw with Lee would be that connection piece that he can make with the players and that developmental piece, which you hear that that buzzword a lot with Borrego. And I think a lot of people are saying, okay, if, if you're moving away from a developmental piece in James Borrego, why would you then turn to another developmental piece and get someone in here with more experience? But I, I do think that that's a draw with Lee. 
I don't know if they're going to take that same route again, where they're going to factor in some of the developmental pieces. But with Lee being a guard in his playing career and having that type of experience, maybe that's a little bit of a sway in his direction. But to me, not enough to consider him as the next head coach. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's get to more of the recognizable names and how I feel about these others. So let's go to Darvin Ham, 48 years old. He's got good experience as a player and a coach. He played under some really good coaches, played under George Carl in Milwaukee for a few years. Hornets fans definitely remember that 2001 playoff series where the Hornets had a 3-2 lead heading back home. I was in attendance for game six where the Hornets had a chance to make it to their first Eastern Conference Finals ever in history of the franchise, but Sam Cassell and Ray Allen dashed any hopes, and they took game six and game seven. But Darvin Ham was on that team as well. He played under Larry Brown uh, in Detroit, and that's where he won his championship in 2004 with the Pistons. And as a coach, he's bounced around a couple times from the G League and an NBA assistant. He actually coached under Mike D'Antoni, who I'll get to a little bit later with the Lakers and Coach Bud in Atlanta and Milwaukee. And then he won a championship with Milwaukee last season. So he's got that experience as a championship player. He's got that experience as a championship coach. I think that would go a long way in knowing what it takes to win a championship. 
all the pieces, all the parts, the scheme, offense, defense, all that type of stuff. I think when you think about Darvin Ham, you think the fact that he's defensive-minded. While in Milwaukee, the team has averaged uh, an adjusted defensive rating of eighth overall. And like I mentioned before, you know the the credit doesn't go all to Ham, but with him being a guy that is centered around the defense and that's his specialty, the defenses, when he has been an assistant coach, have been very, very good. There's been one year where it was like in the 20s, uh, but overall, like I said, it's, it's averaged out in the top 10. I believe he was almost a head coach last season and was linked to multiple teams as a finalist. So even though he doesn't have the experience per se, I, I do think that he's the most ready of all the like top assistants that have been linked to Charlotte. I actually reached out to George Carl on Twitter to get his reaction. And, and I knew that he would have positive thoughts to say about Darvin Ham, but basically he said that he's amazing. He's ready. He's high character and connects well with the young players. And knowing that even though he has no experience as a head coach, high praise from George Carl. I think I have a lot of confidence that Darvin Ham would be ready. Having all this experience as a player and a coach goes a long way. Let's get to Kenny Atkinson, 54 years old. He's currently on the Golden State staff. And before that, he was with the Clippers. But probably what you know him most for is his time in Brooklyn. He took over uh, and the team was not in the best of shape. The roster had a young Karis Levert, had a young Joe Harris. Their best player in his first season was Brooke Lopez. And Brooke Lopez only played one season with Atkinson, and he kind of plays a role later in this story because he eventually was traded for D'Angelo Russell, who was one of Atkinson's biggest success pieces. So he took that team, a very you know slow process, building them up. They weren't winning games in his first two seasons, but he was obviously setting good habits, building relationships with the players. And on the court, you saw Brooklyn start to push the pace. And that, that's something that goes hand in hand with what the Hornets do here in Charlotte. His third season, coincidentally, which was Borrego's first season in Charlotte, he got the Nets to the playoffs as a six seed. I think when you look at that roster that season in 2018, 2019, I believe, nothing jumps off the page. Like it's not a roster that you think would make a run as a six seed. And they didn't, but to see what he got out of that young team led by D'Angelo Russell, you can see the appeal of Atkinson and some of the young players here in Charlotte. He's known for developing players like Karis LeVert and Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie. And the idea would be the same here with Ball and Bridges and, and P.J. Washington and developing those young players and getting the most out of them. And again, I think if Atkinson was the higher Hornets fans would be wondering what's the difference between him and Borrego? Why are they moving off of Borrego for a guy that has the same MO as him? And I can definitely see that line of thinking. I think Atkinson probably has more of a proven track record with it and having some success in getting the team to the playoffs, something that Borrego couldn't do. I'm not sure he's my top choice, but he would be up there. Atkinson seems like a guy that, you know, if he was hired with Charlotte, I wouldn't have many negative thoughts. I'd be 
I'd be more than okay with that hire. Let's move on to David Vanterpool, 49 years old, currently serving as an assistant for the Nets. I remember his name even being brought up when he was with the Blazers. I think some of the stories about CJ and Lillard's development can be attributed to Vanterpool. Dame even credits Vanterpool for his leadership and being more vocal. There's a story that Dame was actually stopped in a pickup game before his rookie season, kind of prior to training camp, where Vanderpool told him that he needed to speak more as a point we guard. He was playing pickup before my first training camp. And, like, he was, even when they first got the job, he was the first coach to call me. Like, I was, I remember I was in a grocery store in Lake Oswego, and he just called me, like, man, I'm assistant. And, was, and I instantly did my research on him, yeah. started looking up all this stuff. And when I first met him, I knew a lot about him already. Yeah. Like, we hit it off from jump, but. We was playing pickup. It was like the first week I was in Portland. They was in Portland. And I was just playing pickup. I was scoring. I was playing good, but I wasn't saying nothing. Like, uh-huh. not one word. And he stopped the game and he was like, you got to say 10 words before you get to half court every possession. <laughs> so before I get to half court, I ain't know what to say. I was just saying stuff like, I got ball. That's my man. Go over I was just saying random stuff. He's yeah. like, you got to say 10 words before you get to half court. And he was like, it was so uncomfortable for me because I didn't know like the other players that well. Mm-hmm. They didn't know me like that, but I had to say something. And I think that was like the beginning of me, like starting to be a leader and starting to like be cool with being uncomfortable. So it, for him, it was about being comfortable, being uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it was a new situation. He's a rookie who's going to play minutes. So, I mean, how do you command the attention of LaMarcus Aldridge, Wesley Matthews, Nicholas Batum, those type of players, that caliber of player, and those type of players that have been in and around the league, and you know, you know they're gonna listen to him, and he doesn't say anything. Yeah. It's like, you know, you had to be the point guard, and he, it was funny because he, I remember the look he gave me when I first said that to him. He looked at me like I had three heads, <laughs> and he was looking at me like what? And coming in as a rookie and a young player, it's sometimes hard to be that vocal leader, but Vanterbilt was able to get that out of Dame. He's also a defensive-minded coach. There's, there seems to be a theme with some of these coaches, and he's held that title of defensive coordinator before for the teams that he's coached for. I will say that when he coached uh, with Minnesota, that team definitely lacked talent on that end. And so the team's efficiency stats and success on that end has typically been in the bottom third. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, he, like Charles Lee, who I mentioned before, was a guard in his playing days, bounced around overseas. He actually coached under Atore Messina, and that's a name that many Hornets fans probably remember when the Hornets were actually looking for their next head coach, you know, right before Borrego was hired. And there's actually a Messina connection to Kupchak where he served as a consultant to Kupchak and those Los Angeles Laker team. So by proxy, maybe Vanderbilt is connected to Mitch Kupchak in that kind of roundabout way. I think what I like best about Vanderbilt, and he shares some of the same qualities with some of the other players that have been mentioned, is the fact that he's bounced around and his path to get here to where he is now has been a long one. It hasn't been a straight shot. Maybe some might take that as a negative, but I think it's really easy to spin that He's had a ton of experience in many different situations. I think being able to adjust and assimilate on the fly is a difficult task. 
And I don't see why he couldn't be up for a head coaching position. He's a relationship builder. And the fact that Dane can vouch for him and he's a star player, you think that would bode well for LaMelo. And because he himself, Vanderpool, was a like a fringe player that was playing overseas, he also knows what it takes to get the most out of the others. And so these players that are, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten in the rotation, these role players, he's got that covered as well. So he's got the star players, he's got the the role players covered because he himself was one. He's got both ends of the spectrum covered. Last one I'm going to mention on today's podcast is Mike D'Antoni. And then in a couple of days here, he'll be 71, which I think for his age, he looks good. But I would not have guessed just by looking at him, he's that old. But I do think that's somewhat of a knock against him. He most recently coached in Brooklyn as an assistant. Currently, he's in the New Orleans organization as a consultant. Of the six, like here's the deal, of of the six that have been mentioned today, he's got the best proven track record, right? You know him from his days with Nash and Phoenix, with his days in Houston. If you're hiring this guy, you'd be buying fully into the offensive side of the court. You'd be buying into him building this offense around LaMelo as the A1 primary guy. Now, the question I'm asking myself, it's not so much, okay, the Hornets struggled on defense. Why are they going for a guy that is offense heavy? That's, that, is, that is a secondary question I'm asking myself. But the primary question I'm asking myself is, does that make sense or does that make the team better if Ball is the primary guy that the offense is being built around? And I don't mean that Ball is not Charlotte's best talent moving forward. That's, that's clearly not a question. He is. He is the best talent on this roster. But to build an offense around him as a pick-and-roll heliocentric number one option on most possessions. Is that what is best for this team? Are you going to get the most out of this team moving forward with that being your offense? And again, I'm not sure that that's what Mike D'Antoni would do, but just from his days in Houston, I think that would be his strategy moving forward. He's an innovative coach. I'll give him that. I don't think anyone can deny that, but I do wonder if Charlotte would need to beef up their personnel to kind of make that offense work. You need to give LaMelo an efficient role man as a big for this team for LaMelo to truly flourish under Mike D'Antoni and some of his philosophies. So I'm okay with, I mean, I'm slightly okay with the Hornets going all in on offense and seeing what you can get by just trying to be innovative and outscore teams. I'm still going to be frustrated with the fact that this defense needs to get better. There's a personnel issue. There's a scheme issue. Mike D'Antoni, obviously you'd be buying into the offense being the number one thing on the agenda. Again, still have concerns about whether or not Ball being this pick and roll heavy guy is the way to go. Cupcheck has hired D'Antoni before, so there's a relationship there. I wouldn't be overly thrilled with this hire, but I wouldn't necessarily be totally down on it either. There's some risk involved, but 
you'd be banking on some kind of high reward outcome here. I think maybe over time, someone could definitely sell me on this hire if this ever took place. But he definitely would not be my top choice. There's been a lot of conversation about whether or not the the next head coach for the Hornets, how much of that decision needs to be run by LaMelo or how much of that decision needs to be centered on LaMelo. And as I'm talking about Mike D'Antoni, this is kind of what I've been thinking about. I do think that obviously you want to consult Miles Bridges and PJ Washington and LaMelo for this hire. You don't want to hire someone that is going to clash or not jive with some of LaMelo's strengths. But also in the same breath, you don't want to be solely relying on LaMelo and his decision in the hiring process because, you know, that's not what he's paid to do. And there was a rumor out there that Mark Jackson was LaMelo Ball's like top choice. I've got no interest in Mark Jackson as a head coach, even if for whatever reason that rumor is true, even if LaMelo said to management, I think we should hire Mark Jackson. I think he rubbed some people the wrong way in Golden State. I'm just not going to include him in this conversation. He actually seems to be more heavily linked to the Kings, so Charlotte might not have to worry about this at all. You do have to run these ideas by your top players, but I also don't think you need to be making a decision solely based from a player's perspective. Uh, You've got to look at this not just this year as an immediate knee-jerk reaction. you got to look at it as a, as a coach that can develop things down the road and, and build a culture here moving forward. So the six names that I mentioned today are the ones that have been most heavily linked to the Hornets. I'm not mentioning Quinn Snyder. If he ever does get fired from Utah, maybe that conversation can be had and maybe there will be some conversations about whether or not he's going to interview in Charlotte, but I'm going to go ahead and rank the six that I mentioned today in reverse order for my preference. Number six, I'm going to put Charles Lee. Number five, I'm going to put Sean Sweeney. Those two just from the further inexperience, they're young. I just don't think they're necessarily ready to take this team to the next level. And then my top four, uh, four actually got Mike D'Antoni. I could be swayed on that decision, but I'm not I'm not totally bought into the age. I'm not totally bought into the offensive style fitting this team. Number three, I've got David Vanterpool. Number two, Kenny Atkinson. And number one, Darvin Ham. I just think the combination of making connections with players, the fact that he is young but up and coming, but He has that experience as a player and a coach winning a championship. He's got the defensive mindset. I think the fact that Ham is forward thinking, that that just does it for me. And I didn't think that moving on from Borrego that I would be okay with a coach that didn't have any head coaching experience. I thought Charlotte would be looking strictly at guys with that experience and and maybe they're just doing their due diligence by looking into every possible um, candidate here and maybe they're strongly considering the ones that actually have experience before more so than the others but I, I do think that Darvin Ham would be an awesome addition and I'm just basing this off what I know from him and reading up on him and you never know how these things are going to turn out 
But uh, we'll keep you guys updated on this coaching hiring process as the weeks go on. Could be a slow process here. We'll see as uh, Quinn Snyder, like I said, is still with Utah. Maybe that's a name that gets brought up a little bit more potentially once when he gets fired. But let me know. Let me know what you guys think of not only these six candidates, but maybe some of the candidates that I have not mentioned here on this episode. I appreciate you guys tuning in and be sure to share this episode. Share it with someone. Find a Hornets fan. Let them know all about us. And as always, subscribe to us. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast and Spotify. As the offseason progresses, we're going to ramp up our draft coverage. And I know that's a interesting time for Brian and for Lee and for Spencer. They love talking about all the different prospects. And with the Hornets having two lottery picks, albeit late in the lottery, some conversations still need to be had and debated about. So thanks again for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great day. And we will talk to you guys later.